0: Everyone, and welcome back to Irish On Tap, a podcast about the Notre Dame fighting Irish presented to you by On Tap Sportsnet. I'm your host, Brandon Suarez. You can follow me on Twitter at bdon 300 and you can follow our main account on Twitter at On Irish. Today, we're going to be recapping this past weekend's win over Navy, 34 6 victory for the boys. And then, towards the middle and the end of the episode, we're going to break down this upcoming Saturday's primetime matchup. The game's going to be on ABC, I believe seven cent Well, I know it's on ABC, seven central, uh, eight Eastern, I believe. And it's a good, it's a good team in Virginia. Virginia is a quality football team. They've played a lot of teams in the ACC tough. They're six and three and they're second in their division. I mean, they're coming off their last game where they, them and BYU combined for over a hundred points. It was 66 to 49, but back to this weekend's game, uh, Navy, I told you guys last week at the beginning or towards the middle and the end of the episode, when we were talking about Navy that, you know, a Ken Mia team is going to give you everything that they have. And I know if you just check the box score, if you just look at the stats, you're like, well, we dominated this game. That doesn't entirely tell the story. The first half of the game was very tight. Uh, the offense really wasn't able to get too much going until the second quarter. They had zero points in the first quarter. There was no real drive continuity. And... Navy was controlling the clock and the time of possession and the way Navy plays, that's how they want a game to work out. They want to control the ball majority of the game. They want long sustained touchdown drives that are like 10, 15 plays long. And it should be noted that Notre Dame kept Navy completely out of the end zone. Now I know in the second, in the second quarter, their quarterback uh, went out with an injury and they were playing with a backup in the second or in the second half. But Second quarter was really when Notre Dame found their rhythm. Uh, the first – the initial scoring drive when Dewar kicked a 24-yard field goal, I really thought they were going to score a touchdown on that drive. I didn't bet the game initially, but I did live bet the game in the second quarter because I was like, I don't really like, like, 21-point spreads, no matter which way it is. Like, wh- whoever the team is, there's a lot that could happen that can can mess that up. But I'm sitting there, and I'm like, bro, Notre Dame is about to go on a run. Like, they're about to score some some points on the quicks. And, uh, yeah, I, I honestly, I bet over 13 and a half points in the second quarter and they were able to get – or for the first half, and they were able to get it done. So I was happy to see that. Um, but Kevin Austin, week in and week out, continues to surprise me, continues to woe me. Best receiver on the team. He had six catches for 139 yards and a touchdown. He had a 70-yard catch right before halftime that – was absolutely incredible. I believe it was like a third and eight. And for whatever reason, Navy like sold out on the blitz and Austin was literally wide open. All Cone had to do was make the throw. In the second half, we were able to record a safety, got a couple touchdowns and it was it was a questionable first drive for Navy, but you had to figure that Navy was going to move the ball eventually. And they ended up taking like eight or nine minutes off the clock. If they would have scored a touchdown there and it would have been 17-10, we would have had a totally different game. Notre Dame holds them to a field goal. And then at the beginning of the fourth quarter, they get to safety. And that's really when the game turned on its head. Kyron Williams and Logan Diggs both recorded fourth-quarter touchdowns. And... Logan Diggs is is going to be a great back when Williams leaves. I'm excited to see the growth that he has. But one thing that I let off as a tweet during the game and just has been a thought of mine just watching this team throughout this year is I'm really a fan of the way that Tommy Reese and Brian Kelly have utilized the two-quarterback system. Now, I know Tyler Buckner hasn't been playing a lot, but in certain situations when he's inserted in the game, he's like a first-down machine, whether he's using his legs or he's connecting with the receiver – It's a change of pace. It gives the defense something. One more thing to think about uh, when it comes to the run, you know, because Tyler Buckner is a quick quarterback. He can make stuff happen with his legs as opposed to Jack Cohn, who's a little bit less mobile. But the way that this team has continued to battle, uh, the way that this team has continued to progress and become better each week, like they just play better football week in and week out. I'm really excited to see where this season ends up. I know I've talked a lot on this podcast this year about you know you just continue to go 1 and 0 each week and there's no doubt that this team gets a New Year's Six bowl. There's an opportunity to backdoor our way into the college football playoff. Now I know it's not it's not probable. I looked this morning and Notre Dame has a 28% chance to go to the college football playoffs. So Highest chances to make the college football playoff. This was from PFF College Football. Georgia, 97%. Oklahoma, 70%. Alabama, 64%. Ohio State, 62%. Cincinnati, 45%. Notre Dame, 28%. Oklahoma State, 15%. You got to figure Oregon's in there somewhere. Both Michigan schools are probably under 10%, but still have a chance and there's a lot left to be played for. One thing that I'll say, like tinfoil hat, we wanna see Michigan beat Ohio State, give Ohio State that second loss, and hope that someone can take Michigan out in the Big Ten Championship. I don't know how it's all gonna work out, but this past weekend, Michigan State lost, Wake Forest lost to North Carolina, so you already have a common opponent in which we beat North Carolina, you know, last weekend or two, a week and a half ago, and Wake Forest lost to them. And that was terrible. I bet on Wake Forest, the money line. And they were up 18 at the end of the third quarter and ended up losing the game. They are on what's called my, my band list. So Wake's not a forest. You absolutely hate to see it. But with Sam Holly, you're truly never out of the game. And as much as I shit talked to him uh, down at the game and, and on the podcast, the kid is a great quarterback, but so is Sam Hartman, just a, a couple plays short. But for my players of the game this week, uh, on the offensive side of the ball, I think it's easy. I think you got to give it to a guy in Kevin Austin who has continued to week in and week out answer the call and has really showed that he's that number one receiver on Notre Dame. Uh, he has the size. He has the speed. He knows, he knows the route tree. He can run it all. And he's hard to tackle. And then on top of all of that, the 50-50 ball, you can go up and get it in traffic. And uh, he's, he's my player of the week for the Navy game. On the defensive side of the ball, I got to follow suit with uh, Notre Dame head coach Brian Kelly, Uh, the all-time leader in in games played at Notre Dame, the heartbeat of that defense, uh, one of the meanest motherfuckers in college football, someone that you just absolutely hate to want to line up across from, Kurt Hennish, 10 total tackles, eight solo, a sack, and two TFLs. He led the team in tackles from the defensive tackle position. They, that means he was just smack, playing smash-mouth football, you know, going after the fullback on those fullback dives. Ten tackles. Let that sink in. This defense has been playing a lot better. I know I tweeted on Saturday, like, it wasn't the prettiest game, which it wasn't, but a win is a win. They were able to win the game by four touchdowns. So as much as I didn't say it was pretty, it, it, it was still uh, a successful day out in South Bend. And now – we have our focus on the final three games of this season. Obviously, we're not in the ACC this year, so this is it. You have to finish this season 11 and one. You have to finish this season with three convincing wins. And because I'm a tinfoil hat guy, you need absolutely need a little bit of help from some chaos that college that that college football is. So, at the very like least. We're going to be in a New Year's Six Bowl if we run the table. Best case scenario, we sneak in as like a four seed. I don't think it's like crazy possible that it could happen, but we'll always hold out hope for that possibility because that's what you play for in college football. As great as a New Year's Six Bowl would be, that's what you play for. So... It is what it is, Uh, special teams MVP. We'll go ahead and give it to our guy, uh, Jonathan Dewar. Another perfect day, kept all his kicks and bounds, three extra points and one field goal. So a good Saturday uh, to find a way to win a football game. And we are on to Virginia. Uh, There's three games left in this season with Virginia. Uh, We also play Georgia Tech and then we wrap up the season against Stanford. Uh, The game this Saturday is going to be, I telecast on ABC. It's actually 630 Central Time. So I was completely off Uh, 630 Central Time, 730 Eastern Standard Time. And to be honest, this Virginia team is a strong offensive team, but they leave a lot to be desired on the defensive side of the ball. In their wins, which there are six of them, they beat William and Mary 43-0. They beat Illinois 42-14, to lost to UNC 59-39, to lost to Wake 37-17, beat Miami 30-28. to That game was insane. Miami missed like a 22-yard field goal uh, to lose the game. Beat Louisville 34-33. They were down by three touchdowns and came back. I actually ironically bet them both weeks, those games. I'm a degenerate, I know, but I won both those bets, so. What do you got to say about that? Duke, they absolutely crushed it. That's a basketball school. That doesn't even matter. 48 to forty-eight to nothing. They beat Georgia Tech 48 to 40, and they lost, B, they lost at BYU 66 to 49. That was a game that I was uh, kind of watching after we left South Bend uh, at the North Carolina game. So they had a bye week this past week. Typical for a Notre Dame opponent to get a bye week the week before they play us. But it's a home game for them. Uh, it's going to be probably their biggest game of the season. We're the highest ranked opponent that they've played and that they will play this season. Uh, North Carolina was ranked 21 at the time they played and BYU was 25. So, well, actually, I don't even know if BYU was ranked, but North Carolina, we are familiar, though, with the head coach of Virginia. Uh, Bronco Mendenhall used to coach over at BYU, and we know uh, what type of team Bronco Mendenhall Runs. It's going to be a hard-nosed, tough-fought game. But the key to this game is to make sure that Brandon Armstrong does not beat us with his arm. He has 3,500 yards, 3,557 yards on the season. So they're a team that really likes to take the top off the defense. They really like to uh, to beat you in a variety of ways. But the main way that they beat you is through the year. Uh, they do have a receiver number ninety nine, Kekean Thompson. He's listed as a quarterback, but he has uh, he has but he has fifty one receptions on the year with six hundred and sixty three yards and a touchdown. Uh, Dontavian Wicks is their touchdown leader, forty two catches, nine hundred and seventy two yards. He's got twenty three point one yards of pop with a longest seventy seven and nine touchdowns. And then at the running back position, they're not really like. A team that's going to run the ball on first and second down, like they'll take their shots, they'll throw the ball down the field, they'll try to, you know, make your DBs make a play on the football and and really stop their passing attack. But their running back Wayne Papa is another one of those bulldozer backs. He's someone that can lower his shoulder, uh, and and run through a motherfucker's face. But it's his stats on the year aren't great, but he is averaging about five yards a carry, so they just don't really use him that much. Uh, Brennan Armstrong is also a quality runner. He is a prototypical size quarterback. He's not, you know, like a Manziel or a little guy like he's 6'2", he's 215. Uh, He is questionable for this week's game, which with college football, you never know. Um, Phil Dracovic, former Notre Dame quarterback, uh, it wasn't announced that he was going to play until before the game on Friday. I had already bet the other way and then I find out Phil's playing and I'm like, God, I'm an idiot. But yeah, college football, it's crazy. Uh, I know with my press conference work and all the media work that I do at NIU, whenever someone asks about an injury, we're never, we're never greeted with the, uh, the facts about the injury. It's wait for the def chart to come out and we'll go from there. But a lot of college programs keep injury reports close to the vest because you don't have to report it. It's not the NFL. Uh, and the only reason why the NFL does it, I believe, is for fantasy football and gambling. So it is what it is. If Brennan Armstrong plays, we know what we have to do. We have to beat him uh, and make him beat her, beat us with his arm. This is a game that you would like to see Kyle Hamilton back for if he is available. But if he's not next man up, I know Tariq Bracey left uh, Navy, the Navy game early with an injury. So that's another player that we would hope to have available for this game. In order for us to win this game, uh, I would say... You don't necessarily have to beat them at their own game like you don't have to throw for four or 500 yards to beat them. I think you win this game by having long sustained drives you control the time of possession, you control the field position battle, and you make Brennan Armstrong beat you with his arm. Give him You know, give him some of the short stuff, but he's a guy that likes to take risks. He's a guy that likes to, you know, get the ball down the field, and he's a guy that's prone to interceptions. He has eight interceptions in nine games. That's not a lot, but he averaged at least almost one interception each game, just under one interception each game. So, like I said, keep him in front of you. He can hurt you with his legs. He can throw it over everyone, like on some Patrick Mahomes shit, but... He is a playmaker. He is someone that will probably play at the next level, and he is someone that fits the mold of a quarterback that has given this Notre Dame team problems throughout the years. So we have to make sure that we absolutely do not let him beat us. On the the offensive side of the ball, uh, Kyron Williams' game, Logan Diggs' game. This could be a game that we see more snaps, snaps from Tyler Buckner, but I will say this. If this is a game that we go down early, I'm not saying it's going to be tough to come back, but, you know, if the defense has a game like they had against North Carolina where, yeah, I know we had enough to get the final stops at the end of the game, but where they're giving up like 42 or 45 points, that's a game that plays into the type of game that Virginia likes to play. They will attack quickly. They will score in two minutes. They will score in 60 seconds if they have to. They have a lot of explosive plays in their offense. So in order to combat that, keep our offense out on the field as long as we can. Give our defense time to rest and recoup and recover because, you know, if if, if this is one of those games like Wake Forest, North Carolina, where it's just two-minute drives on each side of the ball, it's going to be hard to – catch your breath and and stay uh, ready to roll. So try to get over 30 minutes time of possession. I'll say like 35 minutes. Obviously you want to keep this team under 31 points. Uh, In all the games that they've won this year, they have scored. Yeah. In every game that they've won this year, they've scored over 30 points. They've only been held under 20 points once. And they've only been held under 35 three times. So a team that's going to get it done no matter how. They're going to find a way to score. But as you see with BYU, a team that can give up a lot of points. They have a 66-point game and a 59-point game and then a 40-point game on their head this year. That's not the type of defense that we play. So I think – This could be a game that finishes somewhere in the 50s, maybe in the 60s, depending on how our defense plays. We have seen them be susceptible to certain attacks, but matchup predictor on ESPN has Notre Dame as a 55% chance, 55.3% chance to win this game. And they are, you know, for the spread, they're minus five and a half points. So two field goals, touchdown, will get the job done. And the over/under is 64 and a half points. So I think this is a game that the over/under could be pretty close. Like we could be looking at like a 35, 31 game, 38, 34, 35 game, like something that's really close. But as a Notre Dame fan, you want to see Notre Dame win this game by like 10, 14 points. You want to see this be a convincing win. You don't want to see this be a, a white knuckler where we're all sitting there puckered up in the fourth quarter trying to find a way to win this one. I will go for my score prediction, 38-28 to 28 Notre Dame. That's what I'm going with, 38-28. It's still a high-scoring game by my calculations. Uh, that that would be enough. I'm not a math guy, but I think that would be enough for the over. That would be enough for Notre Dame to cover the spread. And be enough for a little bit of style points, I'll say, because it's not like Virginia is a bad football team. Virginia is – is one of the better teams in the ACC this year. And that's not saying a lot because the ACC is terrible this year. And if we were in the ACC again this year, we would win the ACC in the regular season and in the postseason. But that's besides the point. You can only play who's on your schedule. And right now in the AP, we're ranked number 10. I'm recording this on Tuesday because tomorrow night I'll be at Maction all over at Husky Stadium. They got a game against Ball State, so I'll be out there. I'm coming am coming to you guys a day early this week, uh, get the episode out. But, yeah, the rankings will be released later. I can anticipate us jumping up to as high as seven, maybe, seven or eight. But we're still going to need a lot of help, and there's still a lot of football to be played in the regular season and then with the conference championships. So we'll see how it plays out. Obviously, we'll be here to cover it for you. But for this week, I got Notre Dame 38. I got Virginia 28 on the offensive side of the ball. I'm going to go on the offensive side of the ball. I'm going to go with the offensive line. The offensive line has, has been on a great run these last few weeks. I think part of the reason why we've been able to score so many points, uh, we've had 30 points in 30 plus points in four consecutive games is because the offensive line has really started to find their rhythm. They've really started to click and they're firing on all cylinders to the point where we're able to get those big holes for Logan Diggs and for Kyron Williams. and When Tyler Buckner comes in on an RPO, he's got space to boogie. They've got time to hit the deep ball, and they've been winning and scoring in so many different ways. Offensive line, I look for them to have another quality performance. Uh, On the defensive side of the ball for Virginia, they give up 144 yards on the ground and 400 yards in the air. We don't have the best passing attack, But if we can find a way to get like 300 in the air and 150 on the ground, there's no way we're losing this game. Zero shot. On the defensive side of the ball, Virginia gives up 466 yards a game. They give up 219 yards on the ground and 247 in the air. So if we can find a way to to be somewhere around there, we don't even need 200 yards on the ground, but I can see Kyron Williams having himself a day with this poor of a rush defense. Offensive line, give time to Cone, give time to Buckner. Give Kyron Williams that space, let him boogie, let him get out there and and pop off another big run. On the defensive side of the ball, I'm not going to go with an individual player because I don't know if Kyle Hamilton will be playing, but secondary. The secondary absolutely cannot bite on double moves. They can't, you know, get DPI's. Deep down the field, they need to be disciplined this week. They need to know that they're going up against a gunslinger, one of the better quarterbacks that they're going to face all season, and they have to be aggressive. Not overly aggressive to where you're, like, jumping routes and people are scoring touchdowns on you, but aggressive to the point to where they're able to – allow themselves to make plays on the football without getting pass interference and to stop Brennan Armstrong from beating us because he is one of the quarterbacks in college football that is capable of single-handedly beating a team. Now, obviously, he needs people to catch the ball and people to block for him, but he can take over a game in a hurry, and we cannot allow him to do that. On special teams, I didn't see hardly any returns the last few weeks, and I really think like kick returns and punt returns are a dying breed in college football. I want to see Chris Tyree make a play on a kicker apartments turn. return. I want to see him take one like 45 yards and maybe a touchdown because he kind of lost his spot in the rotation to Logan Diggs. I don't know what the story is behind that, but you don't want to see a kid like that uh, transfer. A lot, of, a lot of players in today's day and age transfer in the midst of adversity. Chris Tyree is a quality player, and we already saw it. I believe it was with Jordan Johnson last year didn't get enough opportunities, he gone. Don't want to see that with a guy like Chris Tyree. So hopefully he gets his opportunities in the kick return game. Like I said, 38-28 Notre Dame, offensive side of the ball, offensive line needs to have a big day, defensive side of the ball, the secondary, and then on special teams, Chris Tyree. Should be a good game. Make sure you tune in. You know we'll be doing the tweets. You know we'll be following it closely, hopefully willing Notre Dame to a victory. But again, this was Irish on Tap presented to you by OnTap SportsNet. I'm your host, Brandon Suarez. You can follow me on Twitter at bdon 300 and you can follow our main account at OnTap Irish. We really do appreciate everyone for listening to this week's episode of Irish on tap. We'll be back with you on the other side of the Virginia game, hopefully with another victory and hopefully with some more chaos in college football. I think Oregon is a ticking time bomb. I think you can anticipate the big 10. To really be crazy the last few weeks of the season. And you could only hope that in the SEC, only one team goes to the college football playoff. And to be honest, I think that team is Georgia. But again, and I state, we do appreciate everyone for listening to this week's episode of Irish on tap. Be back with you guys next week and go Irish. (laughs)